promote it, maybe. But the percentage of the time that they'll say, like, hey, by the way, I'm in this movie coming out, compared to what I'll hear of just them unfiltered sitting with someone that I already know is good at cultivating a, like, nice conversation. Yeah. I'm down. I'm way more down for that. I think that's a way more valuable experience if you're looking to, like, really experience the celebrity, the reason that you're watching the thing. Yeah. And it, it's, so. it, it, and it seems super obvious to people like us who are, um, into podcasts and are very much on like the forefront of, of like of current media, if you will, or like entertainment. Um, but like this archaic system has been in place for a long time. And that was because it's just sort of like the way that it was done. And the internet obviously is like really shooken things up and, and, and it's just not required to, to be done that way anymore. And as a result, um, it's, it's, it's almost sort of like, uh, uh what's the word i can't think of the word but it's just fair you know like we found a better way to communicate and express ideas and as a result people are like other mediums are dying yes no okay so welcome to affable chat i'm benjamin i'm here with my good friend evan uh who we've had on the show previously we're gonna have uh we're, we're talking about how like mediums have changed how forms of communications have changed and evolved and how that's kind of shaking things up specifically how uh when you're dealing with a celebrity there if you really want to see who that celebrity is a podcast or one of these newer forms of media that anyone can create may be uh what's next and will replace what we used to have with these talk shows mm-hmm. i remember um actually i watched david letterman's new show speaking of david letterman uh, david letterman's new show uh, on Netflix, um, I think I forget what it's. I've called. I've heard there's some controversy about this, right? No, why was the controversy? Um, okay, actually, it might not be Letterman show. Was he part of the Me Too? I don't think. Like, did he get Me Too? No, I, I think I'm think thinking so. of a different show. I don't know. I, I'm thinking of a different show, but um, because have you seen it? It's on Netflix, right? Yeah, I saw like three of the episodes, and um, specifically. There was one with, uh, like, the second episode was with George Clooney. And mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's it's really interesting to me where, like, when you see, like, old, older A-list celebrities. Like, I'd put, you know, like, uh, like Robert De Niro, George Clooney, like, those those kind of characters, right? They're just, like, the biggest movie stars of all time, like, in the, the 80s and 90s yeah. and stuff like that. Um, where they have like utterly like like no true connection with an audience like they have they've lived their entire lives using mediums like i was just describing where it's like they do you know a 10 minute tv spot where it's like heavily scripted or they have some like tmz little interview whatever whatever it is and it's just it's never been it's never been genuine and it's always putting on a face because you know you're going to be facing an audience. Yeah, and it's it's um, th- and now it's it's just it's a whole new thing where, and you see this with like YouTubers a lot. It's not about that image anymore. It's about connecting in the truest way, where people like uh, I think PewDiePie is like a great example of this, where um, PewDiePie has such a reputation and people straight up 
know him. Just like if you listen to a podcast for years and years and you listen to the same person talking over a certain period of time, you actually know mm-hmm. that you actually know that person. PewDiePie has been on the air on, on YouTube, you know, long enough to the point where like you pretty much know who that guy is and you can get a good sense of his character. And as a result of that, he's sort of um, he's like escaped controversy as a result of that in that we're like he's been under fire for um, like alleged like uh, racist things that he said. But sure. he's still fine as a result of this connection where we're like, OK, I have an understanding of who this person is. This is taken out of context. He's cool. Now, let's take that. OK, with, let's, let's take that with let's let's uh, apply that to George Clooney. Let's say if George Clooney said some some crap like that, we don't even know who this guy is. We just think that this guy is cool and he's the movie star that we see all the time. He's now done. we're seeing the real him if he says that. You know that's that's our perception. Yes, exactly. When it could easily have just been him, you know, saying some off-color thing and maybe he didn't like, yeah. it or whatever. But um, and and so like I just think I don't know if I have a real point, but I just think that's sort of where we're at. No, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that that you, you earlier you said it was uh, like it levels the playing field, mm-hmm. and I think it does because like smear campaigns can destroy you. Like there is a certain value to being able to be protected from somebody just making some shit up about you and ruining you, or you know, or just uh, framing you in a way that makes you irrelevant. And before, when you had all these big, like organizations that were in charge of showing the people what they saw like t- major tv shows and like yeah. our tv channels and broadcasting companies kind of determines like this is what we're going to be sending out to the people it's not always malicious or doing anything that they're uh you know they're not always trying to do anything more than entertain you like sometimes that's all they're trying to do but they can also show you what you're going to see but now that people have way more choices of that stuff and it brings up new powerful people like first off individual content makers now have their own platform without anyone any overhead they can say whatever they want Mm -hmm. which is changing it and you and you as a normal person can see it you know you no longer it no longer has to go through all the bureaucracy of getting broadcast somewhere where people are actually going to see it so if all these new voices have power and who's at the top google because they own youtube and youtube is like the second most visited website on the internet second to google which of course (laughs) so so google is suddenly at that they have they suddenly have all the power Mm -hmm. (laughs) of influence because they determine what so many people see and you might not realize it because you're like oh i go on youtube and i see stuff i'm subscribed to like yes but youtube also has control over their own trending stuff they can block videos that they don't want you to see like there's so much there and i'm not and i'm not trying to imply that youtube has any sort of personal agenda you can debate that i don't even know what it would be specifically because that's not what i'm focused on what i'm focused on is that is a lot of power in the hands of someone new youtube didn't even exist before and everyone else had that power and suddenly they're seeing it fall away and they're clawing to stay relevant and try anything which is how basically capitalism works but mm-hmm. it's this huge shakeup and something that people were very used to for a very long time i know there there has been um uh cases in which um videos have been uh, removed uh and or demonetized as a result of their um uh, quote political like, affiliation political affiliation obviously the right um yeah um yeah like nra videos especially um like you know lots lots of gun related videos and political videos um favoring the the right um even just intellectuals um i know like people like uh jordan peterson i don't know if you know who he is he's just like a just a 
one of those kind of just people that are just popular because they're smart, like uh, who I would label mm-hmm. as an intellectual. Um, Do you know Louder with Crowder, Stephen Crowder? Yeah, Stephen Crowder's student. I would say Stephen Crowder also falls under that category. Um, yeah, yeah. We're- Stephen Crowder, for anyone who doesn't know, is the guy who sits behind the the sign that meme that's like some controversial topic changed my mind, and he's like sitting behind a table with a coffee mug. That's like that's who we're talking about, Stephen. Crowder. Yeah, and it's so it's it's that is absolutely insane. Where it's where okay, where, so, they're, where they're like demonetizing or yeah, that restricting yeah, his course. videos. Yes, exactly. Because he falls under like right right wing extremists. Well, well, the thing is, they're like according to that, they're like troublemakers. I've I've heard that quote before from for like so. Uh, this is like a secondhand quote from the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, where where um, Joe Rogan himself actually spoke, went to like dinner with um hap- with uh, some YouTube executives, and oh uh, wow, and um it wasn't even like a it wasn't like a YouTube meeting. He just was just a rich guy, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> and uh, and, and, and and they like they. I forget. I actually might have been um, uh, Jordan Peterson that, that that he was referring to. That the woman um, YouTube executive was referring to that he was mm-hmm. a that he was a troublemaker. And but then when asked like, okay, why? Like, what's what's wrong about him? He can't answer it. It's just a part of. It's just a a part of like this this like like ultra left sort of machine that is like Hollywood and tech. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying, um, but whenever I think of somebody like Steven Crowder, and doing not even him, but like that the 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 thing that he is doing, which is, you know, um, allowing for uh, an an open debate, you know, like a free discussion of Very ideas. Much. And he brings that up all the time. He's like, please debate me. Like Steven Crowder regularly will make videos about vox videos like debunking them but also just can like giving the opposing argument Mm -hmm. and he he's always talking about he's like vox please come debate me come tell me i'm wrong because you guys make all these egregious claims i debunk them and then you say that i'm alt-right and can't be trusted like i should be blocked from the internet that's 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 not honest you know yes so you're sounding like uh like you're not trustworthy because you don't play you don't even play by your own rules yeah Uh, which is why even though i consider myself to be somewhat left and to be progressive in some way uh i think that you shouldn't i'm also like a proponent i i think free speech is good and Mm -hmm. and when you're restricting that you're inherently doing something wrong no matter what your other beliefs are you got to play by the rules that's like america you know free speech is very much something we don't try to restrict yeah exactly i mean it's it seems like the most democratic american thing you can do is sit there and be like okay this is this is the 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 common way of thinking on this let's let's really analyze this and see if this is you know what we should do this is it's objective it's like how can you be punishing objective thinking that's so wild if you're, it doesn't matter if you're right or left. You should be open to discussing it and deciding on what's best. If you just are like, nope, don't even, can't you just you're on the other side. Everything you say is completely bad. This actually Kanye kind of brings this up since we're talking about bipartisanship, because yeah. uh, Kanye talks about how there's such a team mentality in his interview he does with Charlemagne the God. Yeah, Kanye uh, talks about how uh, it's it always depends on what side you're on whether something is good or bad. 
Yes. This is something that... And we got to stop thinking like that. Yeah. His, his argument is we should got to stop doing that. Yeah, I think this is something that's been brought up a lot recently. Um, uh, I think over like the past couple of years, especially, or, and, well, especially since uh, Trump's been elected. But like team mentality, the red versus blue, the fucking elephant versus the donkey is just... Home team versus... Yeah, man. Team. And it, it's, it's so... I think that is probably the number one issue socially. I mean, almost, almost. Period. Like, I, like, I, I think I don't even know. Maybe, maybe. I that... think it's the basis of all the other social issues. Yeah, exactly. Every yeah. single one falls somewhere on the like the graph, and it's like, oh well, I'm this, so these are my beliefs, you know. I mean, and we all got to think that we're on the same team, but there's more nuance than that. Yeah, like, it's Kanye so says, unimaginative. Yeah, like, uh, well, Kanye. There's another one of his quotes. He says like bad things that are bad get a bad rap because Mm -hmm. nothing like rarely is something wholly bad you can't just label it all bad and say cannot be considered any part of it all bad you know you got to stick with what we have because what we have is good and it's completely and wholly good and you should accept it in that way it's more nuanced than that and to to, and thinking like that thinking as team mentality is a not uh, going to lead to progress. We're going to get nothing fucking done. Yeah. And, and, um, one of the controversial things that he did was with the, um, with the, where he wore the MAGA hat, right? Which is signed by Donald yep. Trump, which is baller as fuck. Um, and <laughs> like <laughs> the thing is, so uh, he actually talked about it in the, in this song, um, gay versus the people, which, yep. which is actually really interesting, which you could tell it was made in like a week because it was, uh, cause he actually mentions a ton of stuff that just happened. Um, so did you see the video he released of how they made that song? Yes. So, yeah. I mean, do you think it even took a week? It looked like a, a day, honestly. Yeah. It, um, you know, actually, uh, I, I want to get back to this point, but actually I saw a lot of evidence in, 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 uh, of this in the life of Pablo, which is really weird because he talked about, he made a, a, a reference to, um, Bill Cosby's uh, like rape allegations, um, like it, when when the song was released, it was like two weeks after that happened, which is which is yeah. so wild. Um, and also really like contrary to what you think a music artist does, like you think that they prepare this thing for like a whole year, but then he just dropped bars that were like so recent. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, but especially that that is it, it, to an extreme amount on Ye versus the People because in the vid- the making of video it shows Kanye and Ti having like a serious conversation about what Kanye's been up to all this, and Ti is like, "Come on, man, you have a responsibility to the people," and he's he's making all these arguments. And Kanye is, you know, giving him his perspective, this breakthrough Kanye's been through. And then they just, they, they turn their conversation into a rap song, like right yeah. there. And the rap song just continues the conversation they were just having in that room. Yep. Like straight up, back and forth like it was. And yes, the production quality is down there. It's mm-hmm. not that great to listen to. But as an experience, as a, like as an experiment even, yeah. I would say it works well because you still get... Well, I think that's why the people who are interested in this are interested in this is because it feels like Kanye is trying to say something here, but he's picking like the coarsest way possible to go through it. And you have to kind of sift through what he's doing to find why, you know, the meaning. Yeah. Um, so it's and and this is one of the ways he's showing you what he means. And the thing that I got out of it, um, one of the, I guess, poignant um, things about it was um, yeah. he, he sort of he explained why he wore the hat. And he wore the hat um, specifically to like unify people because 
he says he says in the song that by wearing it he changed um the narrative right where it's yeah. like oh yeah he added he added it was all about hate and he added love yes ex- exactly and i and honestly um i don't know if it's the best way to go about you know accomplishing that but it is it is like an interesting point he says that like all black people should be democrats um or he says that like that's that's like what's you know, thought to be normal is like all black people. Yeah, his argument is that not all black people have to be Democrats. Yeah, exactly. Which is going against the status quo. Yeah, it, like in it, it, like what's 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 true equality is if a black guy can wear a uh, "Make America Great Again" hat, and then it's like, oh, okay, and and no one's like, wow, what's your problem, dude? It's it's sort of like, okay, that is actual equality. Whenever you're just totally ignoring the teams and just going with um, what you believe. And, yeah. and and actually, you know, giving some thought to the other side. Um, obviously, this is a, a bit of a, a, a an extreme way of saying this, and it's it's very, you know, it's very it gets ex- your attention. Yeah, though. it's very extra. The point is to get your attention. Yeah, it's very extra, and and um, but the sentiment is honestly pretty good. I think. Well, yeah, I agree, and especially because things are so partisan right now. Every like. At least from my perspective, a lot of the times playing for your team also means like trying to prevent the other team from winning instead of trying to make both of you win just because every single issue has its complete opposite on the other side and they can't coexist. And, and that's what like the alliances are built on, yeah. whether that's like abortion, whether that's like, you know, health care, any issue you want to pick, you got to pick a side and then there's no solution at all. And I'll be honest. I mean, a lot of people have thought about this. If there's a logical answer, we'd ha- we'd have done it, right? It's a it's a tough thing to do to prevent a two party system in a democracy. But Kanye is fine. He's showing that he's got a new way of thinking, and it might be worth considering because what we're doing right now, that's crazy. Like we're, what we're doing right now is broken, and we I I'm up to see what he's got to say. Yes, um, I think he's actually kind of an interesting person to to get this point across. I mean, he has a large he has a large audience, and, and a lot of the times, I think important ideas are actually spread through people who are just in, in entertainment, uh, which is kind of sad to say, but I think it really does happen. Dude, the president of the United States is an entertainer. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was, that like, that tells you everything you need to know. And Kanye saw that. That's part of the reasons why he loves Trump. He saw Trump do that. He even says it um, at the beginning of this rap. He's like, like I know that um, Obama was heaven sent, but. Like Trump winning told me that I could be president. That's how like, yeah. he empowered Kanye. Yes, yeah. He's like, just like Trump, I'm not supposed to be able to be president. Yes, he yeah, now, he has said that he admires him in that way of like his his is like confidence and ability to sort of just like create his life in the way that he imagines it. Which is um which is like a I mean I mean you gotta like admire Trump for that, I think. I mean that's Well that's you, you gotta powerful. give it You gotta give it to yeah. him. Yeah. Okay, he's you know, it, like what he did, basically, <laughs> I think everyone can get on board with the idea of denying the haters every step of the way. And if that's what Kanye, because Kanye's basically done that his whole career. Yes. So when Trump did it here, it's totally on like a new level of unexpected. Yeah. Plenty of rappers have been told that they can't do it and then they do it. That's happened to a few rappers. Yeah. No, like, nobody has done what trump did was like never be a politician and just become the, the most powerful man in the world here. Yeah. So it's worth. I think that it's Kanye can appreciate that, and I think I can also appreciate that. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and, and you know, and and again, he's saying like things that are bad don't have to be completely and wholly bad. 
I can't disagree with Donald Trump and also think that the way that he won the presidency was impressive. Yeah. You know? So he I think Kanye's taking that and using that as a he's kinda of using that as a springboard to make progress, or at least how he sees progress, and using his social influence. Here's why Kanye is more influential than some other uh stars, or at least from my perspective, because I was listening to an NPR politics podcast and they started talking about Kanye and they questioned themselves because they're NPR. They're like, you know, is it really relevant to bring up the rantings on Twitter of a, uh, you know, of a, a music artist? And by the way, we regularly, our president's Twitter rantings make the news. So that's already the bar is low. Yeah. What is what is worthy of reporting on? But they're like, should we be talking about Kanye? Is that really you know, is that really relevant? Isn't he just being a psycho? And they're like, well, don't forget, he already interacted with the president once when he said uh, George Bush doesn't care about black people. And that made major news. That shook the landscape. And we, everyone remembers when Barack Obama called Kanye a jackass, which I believe was after the Taylor Swift thing. And uh, now he's in the spotlight again. Because Kanye is that level of important, and he's he is usually on a, like a first name basis with the president. I guess everyone's on a first name basis. They, everyone knows the president's name, yeah. but he's he's there talking to him and interacting with him and being remembered for it. Like he's doing it on a bit in a big way. So this is just part for the course for Kanye, man. He's just at it again, dude. That's insane. I I, I totally didn't realize that he's had controversies with the last three presidents. That's wild, yeah. man. Oh my god. It's it. That's how he does it. It's really amazing to me how many people are still caught up on the Taylor Swift thing, though. It's there. Uh, that thing has had such an effect on the on the the average person's perception of Kanye. I think anybody who's not a fan of Kanye, whenever you say Kanye's name, they immediately go back to like, oh, he's an asshole because he did that one thing. Because that was like the one big thing that Kanye was known for somewhat recently. It's almost everybody I know who I talk to, who doesn't know shit about Kanye, that is their fucking go-to thing. Like, oh, I don't like his music, but he's an asshole. But they've heard, like, Gold Digger, and that's the only song they know. Like, you know? Dog. Dog. I know you're probably preaching to the choir here. Right, you are preaching to the choir, but also, how it is tough to defend Kanye when he says that slavery was a choice. I am sorry. I'm like, I, I would say I'm definitely a Kanye stan, but that is just blatantly false, that slavery was a choice. And I know he's going at it with more nuance and saying, you know, it was a mental prison. But you are putting it way too lightly. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, that's and, – and the thing is, like, he's going – he's going to be controversial. That's still Kanye. But uh, it, just because he does that – just I think maybe the point he's driving maybe is even if somebody says something that you can hate, that you can also – they can also say something that you should agree with. But by doing that, he makes it harder to not hate him, and the casual person is gonna hate him. So they're just gonna they're just gonna talk, you know, say, "Nah, I'm not gonna pay attention to you anymore." So he always finds a way to stay relevant through it. But Kanye is just it's just how he does business. Yeah, and and I think that um, so from one thing that I've heard is that this is very convenient because he is doing all of this stuff. Um, with an album coming out in like, I think less than a month. Um, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I think oh, it's definitely, yeah, not. it's definitely not. Um, I've seen this It's probably, I guess I didn't really th- notice this while it was happening, but when T-Lop was uh, coming out, 
Kanye kept on announcing all the changes he was making and then like announcing the name of the album and then changing it and yeah. then re- like he released the album then he like released it again with different versions and it was just so hard to keep track of and everybody was like oh what, what's going on with Kanye's project and by the end of it it, the album had done really well because everyone was caught up in all these like changes and it ended up being looked at in retrospect as a really smart marketing move by Kanye to promote his album. Yeah. And this, and a lot of people are trying to boil this down to that as it's just a marketing ploy and Kanye is doing nothing more than like, you know, building up his, uh, you know, his, his clout. So everyone's paying attention and then his album drops and everyone is like, Oh, I have to listen to it now. Right. Yeah. Everyone knows about it. So, I think that if he had just done something similar to what he did last time, something a little more low-key, but that it was new, so people caught on to it, now I think people are looking at him being like, is this another Kanye marketing ploy? So he has to go way off script and do some stuff that like distracts even from the fact that he's doing a distraction by saying something like slavery was a choice that is obviously going to make people angry. And they're going to forget even that he's talking about his album. Remember, this all started when he re- he's like, Pusha T, May 25th. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Kanye yeah. album, a week after that. Kanye and Kid Cudi, like, a week after that. And we're all like, what? This yeah. is about to happen? And it's like, I haven't heard Kid Cudi, good Kid Cudi, in a while. And I trust Kanye with the with the talents of Kid Cudi. Mm-hmm. Like, I expect good things from that combo. And Pusha T's album, King Push, has been on the radar for so long, like, years, mm-hmm. but never have we heard anything definite about it keeps on getting delayed just how kanye recorded the whole album three times like he finally got it on his third try which is that it's gonna be i mean that, that that's gonna make us expect a whole lot mm-hmm. you know so i i think that maybe this is just that he's promoting his albums with another stunt but this time he has to go really overboard so that we don't just think it's a stunt well i think if you take an uh like that hour-long interview i don't i don't believe that I don't know, but my 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 initial thought is that he wouldn't he wouldn't say that to for intentional publicity. I think that just putting that just being vocal is enough after being gone for like a year or something like that. I mean, he was off Twitter, he was off Instagram. I mean, like he was just totally gone, and then now he's just presenting himself, and then. Maybe he has like a calculated idea, maybe like a somewhat calculated idea of like of of being controversial or whatever. Or maybe that's just who he is because it does kind of seem just like how who he is. It definitely does seem like who he is. Though. Yeah. I so so I think that. I think honestly he's just putting himself on the microphone and and just being him and being him is controversial and uh but he just exposed himself at a calculated moment without necessarily like that. coming up there with a script that, that he knows is going to shock the world. Yeah. Well, part of the thing he did in that interview is he promotes kind of his brand in the sense that he talks about his plans for Yeezy and how he wants to make clothing affordable for everybody. He says he's trying to reach a price point. There's like a certain price point he's trying to reach so that everyone will be able to afford to wear Yeezy clothing and shoes. Like he's and he's and he's talking about uh, developing his own communities. He's mm-hmm. building his own communities. Uh, and it's like going way beyond just making music uh-huh. at this point. And Kanye, I mean, if anyone's going to do it, I guess it'd be him, right? He's probably got access to a lot of funds. If it's not his own money, I bet that if he's, he has the influence to convince people with more money than him to go in on it yeah. and make something really amazing happen. I mean, that's what he talks about Adidas because he they, they had the infrastructure. That's all he wanted. He, he couldn't get Nike to give him uh, the... 
what was it? The uh, royalty to his shoes. Mm-hmm. So that's why he skipped over them, and he's like, uh, I'll go with Adidas because they'll get me royalty because they understand that I'm going for more than just shoes here. I'm just not your most – I'm not I'm not Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or LeBron James or, you know, or even Michael Jordan because he says that he outsells Michael Jordan now. Kanye said he's number one in shoes, surpassing the GOAT, uh, which is bold. But it's because he's trying to uh, – like his plan is like to shoot so much further, uh, which I think is ambitious and interesting and new for Kanye, especially because, mm-hmm. you know, up to this point, he's just been the genius of music, and he's trying to – seems like he might be trying to – uh, transcend that it seems like it's such an obvious mistake by nike i guess maybe in hindsight right? but the thing is it, I, I was actually Dog. i was actually thinking this way while kanye was still with nike i was tracking heavily on the uh the nike air yeezys and i mean people were f- is that the first iteration of the yeezy yeah so there was the nike air yeezy one and two um and that was it and there was like a couple different colorways of each and um i mean people were going fucking crazy for those shoes. I mean, they looked super dope. They're wild, and they were created by Kanye. You know, one of the most popular rappers ever. And yeah, um, I mean, there's you can look and find pairs on eBay right now for like thirty thousand dollars. I mean, no, I'm serious. They're they're literally that expensive. I mean, the resale and they retailed for two hundred and fifty. Like they're super sought after, and everybody wanted uh, Kanye to make more. Um, and even Kanye himself was was saying that like he was really frustrated with Nike and he wants to do more, but like Nike's just like not letting him do it. And um, no, he said it was because they wouldn't give him royalties. Exactly, he knew he had hot fire, and he's like, "Give me my money. yeah." And Adidas made I think one of the, just an incredibly smart move where they're just like, he, "Here's here's like a just a creative playground for you to work with. Do what you want." I mean, that is the yeah. best possible thing they could have done, and they Nike should have done that shit. You know how Kanye is all love now? Like, he always talks about how he's trying to be with love, not fear. We can talk about that specifically. But he talks about that in the interview that when he left Nike, he was being courted by these other shoe companies. And he said the guy from Puma totally blew it. Like, they, they should have signed him, but they didn't. And Kanye's like, he should be fired. Like, at that point, like, the, the fact that he couldn't sign me, like, it's such an obvious good investment that he should be fired. Like, he wasn't saying it to be like, I hate that guy. It's like, he's bad at his job. Because he missed yeah. such an obvious good choice yeah. and let Adidas get Kanye and now look. You know, they, like, nice job, Puma. This could have made you up there maybe with Nike and Adidas. But no, you'll st- you'll, you won't be at the top because you, like, intentionally don't choose Kanye. Dude, I don't understand, like, how the fuck is Puma in business, man? Like, Pumas are just <laughs> so damn ugly. And they've I think always... they might be more popular elsewhere like in other countries That's i know true. that they're associated with soccer i i don't know though i i don't know if they're like super big somewhere else but i i do know that puma is mildly relevant in soccer and soccer in other countries mm-hmm. keeps smaller like sports companies alive like i i my favorite uh premier league team british premier league team is crystal palace and i was like oh are they gonna be nike or adidas neither they're macron that's the name of the like their oh. professional soccer team at the highest level of English football. You know they they aren't the best in the league, but mm-hmm. they play in it. And uh, their the company that they wear is Macron, and I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it because it's definitely not made here. Yeah, you know it's some European company. Uh, so I believe that the reason Puma exists it might be because they're in other countries. Okay, <laughs> I think that's one way. I, but again, that's just a guess. But the I, thing I, is, I like, I, I guess I mean I, I'm. I, I'm like pretty big on the sneaker culture 
And like mm. I, I track a lot of the new shoes that come out. I follow like a number of social media pages that of like sneaker, you know, blogs and stuff like that. And I see yeah. just about every time like a new a new shoe is coming out from whatever company company it is. And Puma's you know churning out new shoes just like Adidas and Nike are, but they 100% always look like ass. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, always. And it, it suck it, Puma. But dude, it, it blows my mind because they're like. They're, they're like coming up with new designs and, you know, making new shoes and putting them out there and advertising and everything. And they always look bad. And I just don't understand how they're staying afloat. How they even stay in business? Yeah. And especially since. Roast them, dude. But the thing is like. No mercy. But like in this. In, in, it's like in the sneaker world, sneaker culture. I mean, they're like, they're, they're nobody. If you're talking about, if you're referring to sneaker heads, like they don't, they don't give a shit about Puba. But they're not the whole market. There's plenty of people who have bad taste but the, in shoes. But the, okay, but, but <laughs> it's a like, huge market for people with bad taste. Yeah, in shoes. I guess I guess that's true. But it's it's sort of like okay, if you're making a, that's sort of like a filmmaker making a movie. That's I guess I guess I guess that'd be like the equivalent of like a filmmaker making the Avengers versus making um, Isle of Dogs. You know, okay, it's like it's like Avengers. Avengers is probably gonna sell a lot more, but. Uh, Isle of Dogs is for the people that really like movies. Fair enough, but uh, you want to get on that topic. Have you seen Infinity War? No. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I I know you're not a huge superhero fan, so I would love to get your perspective right now on Infinity War because there's obviously a craze around it. From your perspective, does this look like a good movie? Absolutely not. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. No. Really? Okay, because I'll be be straight up. I saw this movie, and I really enjoyed it. And for me... It uh, was like a turning point for superhero movies in like the argument for them. Okay. Because I, this was one of this was one of my favorite superhero movie experiences, and a lot of you will hear a lot of people stand up to that and say, "No, this movie is terrible because there's so many characters in it, and none of them have a proper introduction. How am I supposed to know who all these characters are if I'm just as soon as I meet them, they go into battle and, and all this other stuff?" Um, because they already have multiple movies for all of them before this. The whole yeah. point of this movie is to be a cap. To be a just like an, a long payoff on uh-huh. everything we've built up to to this point. So that is just a little bit about why I like the movie. But I'm open to hearing why the, the anti superhero. I wouldn't say anti, just like not fans of superheroes would argue against. I guess in this, I think that's an interesting concept. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that it um, that it sort of just kind of picks off and maybe it doesn't follow like the traditional story format. Um, I would assume. Right, there's like, like you said, there's it like, is much different from the traditional. Yes, and I understand that is a criticism of Marvel is that a lot of their superheroes have similar plot structures mm-hmm. for our, their like origin stories, but uh, or like their first movie. I would say not necessarily that they always have the same origin, but uh, but yeah, but I would say that this movie does it takes what we already have, which is like well defined characters, and combines them in a movie where they all contribute and it doesn't feel like any of them are just a reckless inclusion mm-hmm. i would say of the actual superheroes there are some backup characters from different movies who show up very temporarily but you don't care about them in their own movies you're there to see the superhero from that movie mm-hmm. and i feel like they do a good job of spreading the wealth and getting everybody uh like a meaningful part in a story that uh they tell well okay i guess my part 
Uh, the thing is, I, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of talking on my ass just because I haven't seen. This well, right, yeah, I definitely, I, I set you up for failure, yes. I guess, with that one. But I kind of, I kind of got ahead of myself because I do like this. But, movie. I, but I do have an opinion, like on those kinds of movies, and and sure. and that is that I, I don't like anything that focuses on spectacle more than story. And, okay. and, I f- and that's a fair yeah. position to have. And I, I, and I feel that movies like this, which I'd put in the category of like Transformers or something like that, are, are focused uh, on some young kid or dumb adult looking at the, the trailer and seeing a bunch of explosions and hot women in cars and being like, mm-hmm. that looks good. I, I, I genuinely have a problem because I know, I know many people like this. Where they'll they'll look at a uh, trailer for like Transformers or something, and they'll say, and actually believe that 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 looks like a good movie. Yeah, I'm like, okay, sure, that looks like an entertaining movie, but that is not a good movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and here's the thing, I, I've heard people compare it to like pornography right like yes it's porn beat each other to death yes yeah that's porn because you're everyone loves watching awesome like robots smashing each other there's no way you'd see that in real life and it's really cool that they can make it look so real in a movie and that's cool but when you're telling me a story when i go when i pay my 11 bucks and i sit down in the theater i'm there to hear a story if you can include robots in there without forcing it then yes i will sit through some robots but you better have a reason why they're doing that don't just yes. throw that in front of my face and that's why i can appreciate movies that are able to show me something like that so that's so obviously like this is why we go to movies like we get to see you know like this huge explosion this planet is like erupting like this that kind of stuff uh, where it just it's visually stunning but without any meaning without anything behind that it's kind of hollow uh, i i like when movies are able to to do to, to subvert that and to make it something that is fulfilling and worth watching. You can kind of, uh, like, for instance, uh, the movie Sucker Punch is full of gratuitous special effects, violent fantasy action with, uh, like, hot chicks wearing, like, scantily clad clothing. But because of the way that story is told, it makes it so you don't have to compromise what you look for in a film to appreciate what's going on on screen. Because there's so many criticisms you don't have to worry about because of the way the story is told. And I, I guess it's hard to argue that without uh, having seen that movie. But mm-hmm. this movie does it as well. And the way that you can appreciate these meaningful battles is because you will see characters that you've you've heard stories about. And maybe you haven't enjoyed all the stories, but you know who they are. They are a complete character because you had time to figure out who they are. And to see them com- like interact with these other complete characters that you have a lot of time to build a relationship to and an attachment to that is a very cathartic experience to see these people in a world in movies which i know they're very sequel oriented now but it's rare that you'll see one set of sequels and another set of sequels and then have eventually have those characters all do some other stuff together in a whole nother thing and it's completely different too that's the other thing that is good about this movie it feels different than kind of the same storyline there's a whole new villain and a whole new reason for doing all the stuff that the characters do so without getting too specific on this movie it just finds a way to show you those that that porn mm-hmm. to show you those like action scenes that by themselves mean nothing without a story it gives them a story a reason for being and it's done in my opinion it's done really well and it's why i hold this movie in higher regard than your average superhero movie so the last time i saw an avengers movie it it definitely seemed like the typical okay there's like one ultimate bad guy and then they're mm-hmm. like shooting a laser down at Earth, and if they don't yep. deactivate the 
tractor beam shit, then in X amount of time, the whole earth is going to explode. And you really yep. feel like no connection to it at all because it's just, it, I, I, I don't, because they just don't really dig deep. Um, yeah. And, and, and so like, I'm just like, okay, there's like four of these movies or something. And I'm like, okay, how do you move past that? What's the next level? And then I see the movies titled Infinity War. Like, like, <laughs> oh, like, it's just yeah. like, <laughs> like, infinite, like, oh, yeah, like, you can't, it's, oh, fuck. It's just like, I mean, they followed like the same track as Call of Duty, where it's just, yeah, where, it- where you, you <laughs> have to keep one upping it. And by one upping it, you're just making it more, uh, 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 what's the word that we just used? Like, there's more spectacle to it, and it's just like, yeah. uh, whenever I see titles like that, or wherever I see like video games, for example, like go into future warfare and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, yeah. you're out of original of ideas, and yeah, and and that's that's exactly how I feel about movies, and it's gotten to the point where if I see a movie that doesn't have that. Where I'm like, oh, this movie looks really simple with a small amount of characters and like good dialogue. Then I'm like, oh, I should watch that because some of my favorite movies have been like Ex Machina, which has like three characters, you know. Yes. And it's it, and um, it's just a beautifully written story. Like, um, right? It's beautifully written, but it's also a compelling and interesting and different topic. Like you're you're seeing something that you think took some imagination to bring up, and like. And I understand that like superhero movies can be a bit predictable, especially with one called Infinity War. Yes, I realize that that is like, uh, what's like, you know, what's next? Uh, Infinity's bigger. Like, all right, yeah, Infinity it, War. It, like, yeah, like, that sounds so simple, but this like this actually is a story. You're right. This isn't original. This story was already told in comic books that were wildly popular within the the comic book community because the story is good. There's been a lot of stories that have happened in comic books, and this one is one that has stood the test of time as a popular story that includes a lot of superheroes. So oh, okay. when Marvel started seeing the success of Avengers, they're, uh, well, originally Iron Man, but eventually Avengers, they're like, well, we could really tell this story with a lot of superheroes, but we're going to have to release a lot of movies to get them introduced. Um, and while some of those movies weren't all that great, uh, some of them actually suck. Like the first two Thor movies are bad, and uh, you know we like to try to forget those ones. Mm-hmm. But because Thor had those movies, he's had time to develop as a character. And now he's actually one of the better characters, one of the main characters, but also one that's really popular and really liked. Because all these, mo- all these characters have like, been put together, right? So th- th- I guess that is all. They had these stages to it, too, um, like the eras of Marvel leading up to this big movie. So they had this all planned out. Like they were like, okay, we, if we can keep selling tickets like we've been selling them, we can afford to make this huge investment and make all these movies and then put them all together in this story, which already exists and is already good. We just have to make sure that the characters are who they need to be by the time we make this movie. Because then the audience will know who they are and get to see the story told the right way. It's different. Like you can compare it to DC because DC is doing what you're doing. What you're saying is like very generic, very predictable and like kind of not comparable to movies like uh uh ex machina and stuff like that move like films right yeah because they're they're just they're just a cash grab dc made a very bad a couple bad superman movies there's mixed opinions but in my opinion they're not great and then a batman versus superman movie which sucks dude it was there's awful, so much man. to so criticize bad. about so that bad. movie like very bad right and then uh they a wonder woman movie that does that that 
is their best movie, and I'm sorry, but it's not that good. It's yeah. still not that. It's good. It's it did better than the rest, but that's not a high bar. Okay. Um, and then they released Justice League, where they quickly hash in a few other superheroes, and they're like, just as good, just as memorable. Nah. Nah, dude. People who don't know who Khal Drago is don't know who Aquaman is. Because who saw the, the, the uh, what do they call Justice League movie? You know? Nobody. Yeah. That's nothing compared to what Marvel has done. And, you know, you could say it's just an arbitrary choice. Marvel's just got better superheroes. Nah. It's all about the plan. And Marvel had this plan out from the beginning. That's mm-hmm. why people who, a lot of people said that superhero fatigue would be the end of the Marvel movies because people like it. It sounds like you too. Do we get tired? Like, I don't, I don't care about superheroes anymore. I've seen enough. Right. But they did it. They sustained a level of quality that has retained an audience that has funded them to the point where they can do something that's unprecedented in film. And Mm -hmm. I know that people like to say the meme, it's a, uh, the most ambitious crossover of all time with, and like they're referring to the Avengers, but they'll put a different foot, like, photo you know oh, okay. they do like the timmy jimmy power hour <laughs> that time where jimmy neutron and like that was an ambitious crossover remember that because those are two really good shows on nickelodeon and yeah oh yeah dude crossover. that's funny I forgot about that. but but they have i mean putting all these superheroes together like 18 movies combined into one movie that includes essentially all of them um it, it's really two movies because there's a part two to infinity war and there's actually gonna be two more movies in between the Infinity War. So you'll see Infinity War, then two separate adventures that will, isn't confirmed, but will most definitely influence the offense of the second half of the movie. So, like, and that movie will include everyone that's been in Marvel so far. So, uh, the fact that they, it, what it's built to be almost is like a very, very in depth, like, TV show. Yeah. And you're seeing the season finale, except instead of a TV show, every episode is a, its own movie. It seems like and you're getting it, to see that season. It seems finale. like almost at this point, it could just be a fucking HBO series. Like, yeah. Honestly, the only difference is the, and I don't even know how much weight this carries today because you can get fame in so many different ways. But it's basically just like the, the HBO show with like the most ridiculous cast ever, and that's why it's a movie. Yeah, because it's so star studded. I guess. I, I mean, I guess they make more money that way, right? Because of like ticket sales and and all that shit. Maybe. I. I I don't know. It's the way things have been done. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess maybe because they, they sort of got stuck in the routine because they started off with movies. Because they started off with, like, Iron Man. And then you're just like, oh, what are you going to do? Switch it over to a series on TV? I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Because who would do that? Risk losing your audience, yeah. you know? Because people are going to go to movie theaters. Honestly... Marvel movies do get me to go to the theaters, though, because at this point, I'm so bought in. I've been watching these movies for a decade. I want to see what happens next. And, uh, like, even even some of the ones that are about characters that I don't necessarily, I'm, like, I'm not a super huge fan of, you watch it just because, it, you know, it happens in the same universe as your favorite people. One of the things I also like to compare it to is to Star Wars, because Star Wars is a, like, you, is a comparably popular series that is coming out still and it doesn't do nearly it doesn't deliver nearly on the level that marvel does in my opinion how so because because i am i honestly if i'm i'm being totally objective i think the new star wars films have been pretty disappointing in general mm-hmm. um and i don't think that they compare to what the old things are because they're too obsessed with the old things and I know that there's an argument to be made about the way that they did 
um, the the most recent one, episode eight, because they they kind of play against some of the Star Wars tropes and intentionally do mm-hmm. things differently. Uh, but the reason they're doing them differently is because they've originally done them all one way, right? Star Wars has a lot of self-referencing and things that are consistent through it that uh, at this point, it just feels like they're not being original. They're just kind of rehashing what they've had. Yeah. And yeah, you can say there's some similar things, but largely they're like, oh, remember Luke? Remember Leia? Remember Han Solo? Except now he's uh, played by, uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't even know his name, but the young guy. Yeah, no, ah, crap, I can't... I can't. His name is Casey right now, which is frustrating. But he's, uh, yeah. They they have a Han Solo type character, and they they just kind of. Oh, remember C three PO? Remember R two? Oh, like, Poe. You talking about? Are you talking about Poe? Yes, I am oh, Poe okay. po Dameron. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. why it was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Um, he's played by uh, Oscar Isaac. I yeah. I don't know why I couldn't. Okay, but he's there's uh like at a certain point that gets old, and it's definitely not gonna transform Star Wars into the next big thing. And what Avengers has been doing, yes, the superhero kind of format worked early, and it got them success with Iron Man. And yes, it kind of got a little old as they kind of repeated themselves. But they were always building towards the next thing. Because after we had a few successful superhero movies, we had a superhero collective movie with Avengers. So we uh, combined them, right? Mm -hmm. And we added some new characters that were just there. And basically their role was kind of being part of the collective. And then we had more superhero movies like piling up and now so we're, we're not just doing that same thing we're doing with iron man at this point it's a whole different ball game we've got way more people involved so many stories that things that are canon that have happened in this universe that have to be consistent a timeline we have to like consider now when are these events happening right you can't have uh in the thor movie them destroy new york and then the, in the iron man movie also destroy new york because new york already got destroyed right so you you have a little bit more of a structure to this world and, and, and rules and that just makes it that much more real and, and so unlike star wars they have they try to break new ground and do new things to evolve the world sometimes that also means taking a step back because one another like big criticism of these avengers movies and these uh superhero movies is that everything's always on the line earth will get destroyed yes that is stop this yes that is one of my biggest criticisms as well yes and the most recent spider-man movie to come out was one of the lowest stakes superhero movies we've seen in a long time which makes sense because it's about a teenage superhero in a world where superheroes are real and they are gods and they are geniuses a teenage boy being able to go toe-to-toe with them on his like first try does not sound very realistic the first movie we spent in spider-man is very low stakes he's going to the dance with his crush and he's got to deal with a uh, like a guy who's a basically an illegal arms dealer uh and he like flies around in a mechanical suit you know he's not gonna blow up the world he's gonna blow anybody up you know he's just being you know he's doing some illegal stuff and he him and spider-man have a conflict try not to spoil it yeah but um he's it's very low stakes, and that was refreshing at that point because at that point everything it's like every, everybody's gonna destroy the world. Uh, so once that happens a few times, you gotta do something new. So they they take they I think the difference between Marvel and some of these other movies that keep coming out with pre- sequels, and it's why we don't like sequels so much, is be, like Marvel is pushing the limits every time. Maybe it's not to a crazy degree, but they're at least progressing as opposed to you know something that's just trying to cash in on what already worked to keep the formula going. Yes. Um, so I, I, that's why at this point, I think that what they're doing is unprecedented and at least worth appreciating, even from people who are like, I don't like superheroes. Yeah. And I guess the thing is, Star Wars has sort of a, a hard 
uh, foundation to work with where where they have these movies that were wildly popular in the 70s and they're like oh jesus how can we keep this train rolling you know as where avengers just started yeah like like the whole the yes, whole no. the whole thing is like oh we we have we've had a a, a uh blueprint from the get-go um right so they're sort of like retrofitting the- this this kind of I don't know. And it doesn't thing. work as well. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Yeah. And it seems like a blatant cash grab to think that it does. Like, you're like, how do we continue Star Wars? Uh, oh, you can't um, continue Star Wars because it already finished. And they're like, no, it didn't. Let's just make more. And even with the opportunity to make more stuff in Star Wars, they choose to continue the story that happened before, even though Star Wars is one of the deepest and most interesting universes that's in fiction. At least that's in the mainstream of fiction. Yeah. And they they're like oh should we do a story about the mandalorians like all of jango fett boba fett's people i guess it would just be uh jango fett's people because boba fett's just his clone but yeah. like the mandalorians are all these like these crazy bounty hunters and there's all these comic books about them and there's stories to be told there no 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 we need to keep telling the story of luke except now he's old and lame what dude that's so that what a what a waste of my time yeah what a waste. And, like, you have such potential to do new things, but that's not the safe choice. How how can you miss out on making the movie with the same characters as the movie that defined film in a, in a certain decade? Yeah. You know? So that's, that's where they fall flat. It doesn't work as well. Not to mention Luke f- actually sucks at acting, bro. Like, his acting was awful. <laughs> it really was like I was just not convinced and he doesn't look like a Jedi master and he just looks like an old out of shape dude like honestly I was not con- he definitely looked he definitely looked bad when he drank like the milk straight from the tit <laughs> Uh, that was like it's like why why are we watching this like i don't know oh i don't want to roast it too much because overall i'm like i'm just at this point such a star wars fanboy that i do enjoy just going and seeing it for the spectacle of seeing it but like we said spectacle doesn't have that much value if you don't put anything behind it if you don't if you don't give me a reason to care if you don't can actively try to keep me you know w- involved besides the fact that i was involved before then you're gonna lose me yeah uh and i think i think marvel is trying to do that and star wars just isn't star wars is ready to keep what you got you know and just keep selling you the same thing and i i honestly i'll keep buying it but i'm i won't be silent i'll, I'll complain yeah and i think i mean we're gonna keep buying it because because we're the audience we're the audience that grew up with these movies and have this you know strong connection with them because they're you know they're reminiscent and yeah and so we're gonna keep buying into it and i and i'm like i'm fully aware of it and i'm still buying into it but i'm sure there's plenty of people that are just like "Ooh, star wars you know well and i think what yeah the i guess maybe the argument that avengers would have for that is like yeah you're cashing in on the people you already had and it's making you a lot of money don't get me wrong star wars destroying this destroys the box office yeah but infinity war just destroyed what previously happened (laughs) and like uh, my good friend Cooch Boy, who's my my insider on Marvel stuff, he told me that Infinity War outsold, out earned Justice League in just the Thursday night pre-shows. Because uh, the movie comes out on Friday, mm-hmm. the Thursday night shows that they get to show early at some theaters made more money than than Justice League made all like completely and then this entire run in theaters damn dude. that's how that's how popular okay not a high bar to pass because that movie did terribly but this infinity war was a new level of sales at the box office and they are they beat star wars mm-hmm. which is you know no one beats star wars but infinity war did because uh they're they're pushing the limits on this stuff so i i think 
they're a different type of sequel machine, and they're they're one of the good ones. They're one of the ones where when you hear they're making another sequel, it doesn't necessarily mean they're just you know beating a dead horse and trying until it stops spitting out cash. So when do you think it'll end? How do you think Marvel will end? I have no idea because at this point it almost seems too big to fail. Like it's a type of like movie series like we've never seen before in the sense that it's seemingly unstoppable. It keeps on topping itself and it's done it for so long that that it truly is the question. When do you think it will end? Mm-hmm. There's people who are saying now it will end. And that's not the plan. Marvel has plans No, they have to it through like 20, 2020 or something, 2021, something like right. that. Right. But no but nobody can really predict what that could be because up until this point, everything's been building to Infinity War. So it's going to be something different. And Infinity War, unlike a lot of these movies, has real stakes because people, again, no spoilers, but it is very well known that there's the capacity for characters to die. Main characters, characters we have seen in multiple movies mm-hmm. that were plot armor AF before can yeah. and will die in these movies, which is a new level of realisticness. It is very, It is like... Game of Thrones kind of level of they killed that character no like I love that guy how can they do this that kind of that potential is in this movie okay dude that's that is refreshing I actually do that is is a very a very good quality because like yes uh, fuck because I, I, no, I it hasn't I've never seen it pulled off like this before mm-hmm. I've seen movies where I, I'm like no you killed that character but I've never seen that character three movies and then in the this movie I'm like like you got killed by this character that I saw in three other movies. Oh my God. Like that's, it's new. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's ambitious. And that's, it's a meme that is the most ambitious crossover, but it really is. And, and because of that ambition, they're outselling star Wars. Who's not being very ambitious. They're saying, we'll just give you basically the same thing again. Cause we know you'll, you'll take it. We know the people who already take it. will take it. So how do you, how do you feel about like, um, um, about like film being kind of dead in in the in the light of um, streaming media, because th- that brought up a good point, like with shows like Game of Thrones, where it feels like just a long movie where you have so much time to build such character and story depth that you feel very attached to these characters. So whenever they die, I mean, you feel that shit. And and everything is just mm-hmm. incredibly more impactful because of this, because of the depth of of, of the story due to the yeah, episode, the world building, the world building yeah. exactly. And uh, I think um, the Marvel movies have had a unique opportunity to to kind of do world building in film like like uh, never before. But yeah. it seems like I mean they're they're very clearly the only ones kind of doing that in the film uh, space, but. It seems like just the movie format, sort of like how we were talking about uh, podcasting and old forms of, uh, you know, audio. Like, like yeah. Like uh, shows like HBO, you know, HBO series and Netflix series where you can just build, just have immense world building and character development are, are yep. just the better thing. Yeah. And I would say, if in lar- largely it is. I would say, as far as new things that are coming out, there are more quality shows, things that are, like we say, have more depth, more world building. I would say just to have a larger impact on you overall. And you can measure that however you want. It's obviously very objective. But in general, I would say there are higher quality things coming out 
on television more frequently than there are in movies because movies are a lot of preparation and then a one, you know, it's like two hours of a thing versus a show, which is a lot of preparation and then 10 hours, 12 hours of a thing that goes on over and over again. So you keep getting it. And by the fifth time you've done that, you're really into these characters. So uh, the thing is, movies are like an, a, a, like an organized gamble. You put together a lot of money, a lot of production quality, a lot of, there's a lot of bureaucracy you have to go through. And every, once everyone agrees, this will make us money, they release it, and then they hope to make that money back. And if they're creative along the way, then great. Yeah. But it's more or less like... <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah. You know, like it's, let's get you know, let's If get this, this was money somehow here. art along the way, then good job. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Um, and but but here's the thing: Marvel was able to find a formula that kind of did a little bit of both. Like they took superheroes. The superhero movies generally did well, um, and like w- they were using superheroes that had already done well in the past. In the sense of like they're all from comic books. None of these characters are truly original because they're all just taken from comic books, which have told their stories in many iterations. So you have you know decades of ex- of experience with these guys at least in front of an audience like iron man has been experienced by the masses for a very long time uh superman you know even longer he was like the original superhero so like these it's a good idea um and but so they would sell these movies and every time they'd be a hit to a sense that you could justify making another movie and another movie and another movie and they just have a unique format where superheroes like in comic books are meant to have like their own stories and then intermingle stories. That's been told a bunch of like, there's, there's a lot of evidence in that in, in superhero uh, like stories and comic books. So it just makes sense that they would be the ones that survive the changing of the guard kind of, mm-hmm. because now we're, we're, we have so many options with movies and media that we're like, nah, we don't, maybe we won't settle for the surface level stuff. This story that can be opened and shut in two hours, especially if you tell a good one and then you just remake it again for the second one, not that's not going to be as that's not going to create the craze that it used to because now we've tried Netflix, now we've tried HBO, now we have we've seen these Marvel movies that intermingle in a new way, and that is what's going to be setting the bar for like top tier content. So I, I agree. I think that movies are definitely kind of a dying art form in the sense that they definitely still exist. But they're having to deal with new competitors who are outviewing them at the very least. I would say movies still make plenty of money, but uh, you might have wider influence on something like a Hulu or Netflix because uh, you just have more, like you have longer to tell your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's that's generally how I feel about that. All right, and with that, we're gonna take a quick break, uh, but stay with us because we will be right back. So how do you uh, how do you feel about um, how do you feel about like esports becoming a thing? How do you how do you think that? Um, Ooh, I, I do have opinions on this. So like I'm wondering if you think it will 
because because everyone that's into esports thinks it's going to be the next big thing. Um, I'm hesitant. Okay, so uh, we're we're back on Affable Chat. I'm talking to Evan, and right now we're talking about uh, if about the prospect of esports in the future. And I do have opinions on this because um, do I think it will be the next big thing? No, I don't think it will be. Do I think it'll be a next big thing? Yes, I think there is money to be made in that market because there's definitely an audience for people watching people watching video games and i i don't know if it will be as profitable as the nfl or the nba or even the mls or some other sports organization that is official and considered a sport by the public but i think it'll make some money i think there will be people who make a living off professional gaming because there already are people who do that streamers like twitch streamers people who make youtube channels about video games it happens. You know, people are out there to watch video games. I even watch some YouTubers who all they do is play video games because they're really good at it, you know? And it's not always like one-to-one because a lot of people are like, oh, you watch people who are really good at basketball. I watch someone who's really good at YouTube. It's not the same thing. YouTube no. isn't a sport. It depends on what you make. You know, you there's very different stuff that you can make and different people will be into watching it. And that's why I think that there there are a certain type of people that are con- that, who like things that are competitive but they also really like video games, and th- they'll be led to esports. And I think that there'll be a market for it, and it will exist moving forward, larger in a larger capacity than we've seen before. I, I think uh, one of the biggest uh, kind of um, distinctions from from that and traditional sports is the fact that it's the um, number one. There's a huge learning curve. Like you can't just the the reason that you find. Um, let's say, like, I watch a lot of PUBG videos, right? Mm-hmm. The reason that I find those interesting is because with my context of playing hours and hours of this game and understanding the map and understanding the game mechanics and everything, I understand yeah. that the actions that this guy is performing are are very uh, skillful, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you just have to have all this background knowledge to even understand kind of what's going on. Um, as we're with a football game, it's it's so simplistic that you really don't even need to understand the rules to enjoy football. Well, I would argue that it's similar in the sense that the more you understand the nuances of the sport, the more you enjoy it. Like I I think I could watch somebody playing a video game that I've never seen before and I enjoy it to a certain capacity. Uh, It might be entertaining. It might be clear to me that it's a competition and they're they're shooting someone with a gun. And I understand that in general, shooting someone with a gun is going to harm them and and be good for you, at least in a video game sense. Yeah. Uh, So I can be like, all right, I can appreciate that. But I wouldn't appreciate as much as someone who knows the rules, the intricacies, what gun he's using, the map that he's on, you know, how yeah. hard what he just did really is. In the same in the same sense, you can look at any sport. Like you can uh, you can watch football and yeah, people are going to watch football and be like, "Wow, look at the way that guy just caught it and it's a touchdown." But like, did you notice that the way the left tackle was armed like fighting with the like mm-hmm. defensive end that he protected the quarterback so that the quarterback can make the throw, right? Like and that's like a, and somebody who knows the sport in in a in a in an intimate way, much like someone who knows a video game in an intimate way might know a video game, they can be like, "That was really amazing. That is why I watch. That's why I sit here because I want to see something like that." And you appreciate maybe something that someone else can't appreciate because they don't know it as well. Yeah, and that is a legitimate argument for for it becoming larger. I mean, if you think about like the UFC, um, I hear a lot of, um, from Joe Rogan who talks about. Um, kind of like the infant stages of the UFC and how 
it was just like the Wild West where he was just commentating some people fucking fighting in a cage. And it and that's that's what it sounded like. It's just like some freaks that wanted to fight in a cage for a little money and just get it, it seemed like just some kind of freak party, you know? And and now you look at it you look at it now, I mean I think UFC is probably one of the fastest growing uh sports there is right now. I mean, I know so many people that are into UFC now and I'm even a little bit into UFC now and think about it just like a couple of years ago. I, I think it wasn't anyone anybody's radar at all. Um uh and like think about people like Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor. I mean, they're massive, right? Um I yeah. mean, maybe not R- Ronda Rousey as much anymore, but but still it's anymore, like, but she you know, in her prime. Yeah, but she was, was she was huge. Um uh and I think I mean, it's possible that you see something like that with uh, with esports, but I still think the learning curve is significantly more steep than football. Um, in that, like, in that you have to play it to understand it, um, like a lot. I think. Well, I I think that maybe the argument is more that you're you you have to play it to be exposed to to it enough to know it because it's mm-hmm. not already on TV. Because I, I think that there's a lot to understand about any sport. And if you watch it enough, like football and NBA, they are on all the time. Mm-hmm. So like the general American probably knows a little bit, enough to appreciate it more than they appreciate UFC, which they haven't seen ever. You know, mm-hmm. Guys who fight UFC or who get involved in the culture of it, of course they appreciate it more because they know more about it. You know, And by getting more people involved and by making it bigger, it, the, the gateway for entry makes becomes a little bit easier. No longer do you have to fight in the UFC to appreciate what's going on in that cage mm-hmm. because you've been exposed to it enough. At least that's that, that uh, and that's how I see it. Well, also, but the, the thing is that exposure won't last very long because games are ever-changing. You have games that come out, you know, I mean, whether the the game is like kind of like a Oh, you're talking e-sports. about like specifically for, uh, for esports. Yes, and yes, this is e-sports. what I think is a major hurdle for them is that mm-hmm. the game does change. Yes, so there's um, one thing that... Oh man, like an amazing trend that has happened recently um, is with games like um, like Fortnite and Rainbow Six. So um, Fortnite does this the best in that okay, so they have their their base game, and then they come out with a new season where there's like uh, it's it's just like a giant rollout of of lots of uh, updates where they add new like uh, like weapons and parts of the map and like uh like skins and you know emotes and just like a whole wave of stuff in one update and they're like okay this is season two of the game Mm -hmm. and then they're like okay then it's been a while and they're like okay here's a new rollout of tons of new stuff and like okay this is season three and and um, this isn't just aesthetic changes these are real concrete changes that change the way that change the game really correct yeah, and and this is this is the way that um, gaming is moving in general to to um, kind of to keep an audience. Um, and this was highlighted especially with me in Rainbow Six, where they would continually add characters that you could play with and add new maps on on a uh, on a schedule. There was like yeah. you could go to their website and see like a calendar of like how this rollout was gonna go over the next like three years. Um, and so these games aren't coming out just on a disc and they're, and, and, you know, that this is it anymore. It's, it's, 
people are requiring more of the company and also due to the increases in technology where you can do almost everything digitally, you don't need a disc for anything, this is, this is possible. And I think um, something like Fortnite, where Fortnite is easily the most popular game right now and is incredibly competitive and could be, I think easily could be an eSport, um, uh, that that doesn't make it really that makes it really enticing, right? Where you have this yeah. base, you have this base uh, format, this base game, and then you're just kind of like adding levels to it and and making it more interesting. And I mean, it does it does feel like a very much like a game and a and a like a show almost. Like it's like this. It's like it's, it's most it's, certainly an experience. Yeah, and, an experience. And that's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what that's one of the main allures of actual and i say actual sports the whole argument here is whether esports is an actual sport but like traditional sports we'll say mm-hmm. um what they do is they tell a story and, and this is why i don't like i when people just say that sports are offhand not worth your time like sports ball and like oh look you scored more points it's meaningless like the, you're you're being disingenuous because yes it is about being the best team like getting the most arbitrary points but there are stories that are told here, and like there are like each individual player, each team has their own storyline that's going on in this ever like expanding world of like teams. Like they they just tell a story that continues throughout time, uh, and when you can appreciate it to that level, it's way more interesting than mm-hmm. just sports ball. You know, there's a lot more to it. Uh, so, and, and you can find that I think in just about anything, and by by creating. Not just about anything, but esports has found their way of creating something like that, like an experience, something that uh, you can be a part of, even if it's not even esports, just the, the future of multiplayer sports. It's a little more interactive to have that seasons go through. But if you're if you're into that world and you're experiencing all these seasons, you're you're the perfect audience to watch the competitive version of whatever you're experiencing there. Yeah, I think, um, uh, man. Okay, let's let's think about let's talk about it from this perspective. Um, Let's think of like the types of people play these games. The types. Of, okay, let's let's think of like the types of professionals that play these games. The guys that will be competing, right? Yeah. It's gonna mm-hmm. be your. I mean, it's gonna be a very. I mean, from what I've seen, I've watched a couple of esports games like MLG and that kind of stuff. Um, it's very stereotypical. It's exactly who you think would be doing it. It's like yeah. a, you know, young, out of shape dudes, like straight up. You know, you know okay. like you're 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 like stereotypical basement dweller type character. Um, mm-hmm. and so, so my point in this is like football and soccer and, and everything is like very, uh, chauvinistic. You have lots of like young, attractive, in shape, good looking superstars with, with the hot cheerleaders and the, you know, like the big, it's, it's like a big celebration, like celebrity type entertainment system if you will um and i i just feel like gaming and and computers and sitting in a chair does not bring that same sort of allure do you know what yet. i'm saying yet yet dude the thing is if that okay just imagine all these like out of shape dudes right they are the best in the world because all they did is focus on video games right 
what if there's some little kid right now watching those guys and he's like, man, I, I want to be a gamer, you know, but he grows up, but also he cares about doing like making sure his hair looks nice and also working out. So he has a nice body. And suddenly we, he's the best and he's a hunk, you know, why would you choose to just be the best at video games when you could be good at video games and a star, like make a celebrity out of yourself because when you're the best people pay attention to you. Right now, mm-hmm. not a lot of people care, but those out-of-shape guys that you've seen, they're the best right now. Then they've got your attention. You saw them at least, right? Yeah. And you might not be the biggest esports fan, but there are pretty big esports fans, and they're going to know who the best people are. And so why would you choose to be the best and fat and like ugly when you could just be like or you could be the best and not fat and ugly because you know? because that's because it requires to to be that good require generally requires a sedentary lifestyle. Dog, no. You can take time out of your day and go exercise. Forget about yeah, okay. it. You're right. You're right. But it's and it's like but the thing is it's not relevant enough right now for people to I think to for those to be the people who are doing it. People who are concerned about their image. Up until this point, playing video games is a sedentary and pretty like sheltered life. You are mm-hmm. within the confines of walls all the time, not dealing with people looking at you. It's not as important. But once you're in the public image and maybe once being presentable is to your financial benefit, uh-huh. th- dude, there's no limit. I-, I guarantee you we'll have some hunks in esports in the next decade. Dude, yeah, I mean, there's some hunks now. The guys who are just naturally a little bit more attractive who are the, like, oh, like the, the gamer girls are like, oh, he's the, like, hottest one in esports. And I'm sure man. that that is more marketable for him. It's, I mean, I got, man, like, I mean, I do see that being in the realm of possibility. Um, I don't know if you ever watched video game high school. Did you, did you I watch watched it? the first season. At first, it was, it was pretty, I mean, it got better. But, I mean, I still think the concept was very interesting. It in was. That, oh, I loved it. Yeah, in, in that it, it takes place in a world in which we're describing where video games are the the cool thing and regular sports are like are kind of the nerdy thing to do. Um, <laughs> I don't think that will happen. No, but um, I think I, I, I mean, it's, a, it's a fun concept to play with. Yeah. Um, and that sort of does happen where it's like you have like a bunch of like young, in shape, attractive people kind of doing this. Because they're like the the sharpest minds and the, the the brightest and the most talented people of the of their high school, and then those people get you know get to go to the I don't know quote Ivy League school of of that generation, right? Um, right. And so yeah, I mean I guess once that becomes to like the forefront of the general public's interest, instead of let's say like football um yeah. then yeah all of the resources and and cheerleaders and you know like personal trainers and all that you know like whatever whatever resources that make this mm-hmm. kind of uh like the NFL very attractive then um yeah would would shift in that direction yeah, but I think what – I don't agree with that sports would move out of the way or even needs to move out of the way to make to make room for esports. I think that esports can just become more prominent and build its own audience. Not And it wouldn't necessarily even steal away from any like traditional sports audiences as much as just cultivate its own of people who previously maybe didn't even watch sports, but they found a way to be intrigued by esports um, because – I think some of the stuff, the traditional football stuff or any sports thing is not necessarily the reason that everyone shows up for it because 
uh, people talked about how football is like on the decline in general because a it's not very safe and b like the ratings have been terrible this year thanks to the kneelers okay and that's not I don't want to get into that issue as much as I just want to say that you can argue that the the sport isn't on the like roaring like on the up like the roaring upward incline that we thought it was on before it is kind of, it has shown weakness and uh, potentially could be irrelevant at some point in the future. Uh, but the people who really do love the sport are the same type of people who watch esports because they really love a video game. Like they in- understand the intricacies intricacies of it, and no matter what's around the sport, the uh, you know the the airplanes flying above it, the cheerleaders on the sidelines. That's not why you're there. You know if that yeah. stuff disappeared, you'd still show up. I might maybe not everyone would, but that's why I think that you can't count on football getting out of the way to make esports good. But I also don't think that esports needs to count on that. Mm-hmm. Esports will find its own audience because it has its own merit, uh, separate and t- like totally uninvolved with football. Even though people like to make that equivalency, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of for me. It's kind of like the cheer is cheerleading a sport kind of discussion mm-hmm. because is it a sport? I'm not sure. Does it matter? I don't think so because the people who are going to cheerleading competitions aren't the same people who are going to sports competitions, right? They find different value in tumbling across a, a mat and like saying things in unison. Uh, then somebody might like somebody might find equal value in somebody throwing a pigskin 50 yards and someone catching it in the defined area that someone says is good. You know, you can break it down and say why things like things are have or more value than other things, but I think it's just can you sustain an audience? And I think esports will be able to sustain an audience, which will make it legitimate. I I, th- I think like the 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 main question, which I think we might have deviated from a little bit, is like will it do do we see it becoming like one of the sports? You, you know what I'm saying? Like I would like say no. so, like prominent enough to where your mom. Mike, like, well, let's say, let's say, like, this is a next generation, you know, where, like, like you would care and your kids would care and you guys could watch it together. Like, that, I think, is, like, is, is kind of, like, the question. I think there's a possibility, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it's just tough to say, would it become one of the major sports? Like, if we're talking about viewership... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, you know, anything is possible, but I guess maybe I'd predict no, but I would also say that there's room to say that it could happen, but that's mm-hmm. the future, right? It's hard. It's really hard to predict the future. We might not even be watching two dimensional anything anymore. We might, everything we experience is now a VR simulation and we don't have to, yeah. you know, it, we're not even playing esports anymore. We're like totally, you know, virtual reality sports is what it is. And like now everyone can play football because there's no injuries because we're not really out there, you know, like, yeah. so it's hard to, I guess, predict that. But if we're just going to do like an immediate future prediction, as far as like maybe like the next 10 years, what people are going to watch as far as entertainment goes i think that the audience for esports exists and it will continue to grow but uh will it will it surpass or take away from what we consider already to be traditional sports i don't think so yeah and there's also just something to the physical element of it yes that that just will never go away like well it's very real when a player gets hurt playing Mm -hmm. your sport there's a certain like level of involvement, a certain level of sacrifice that they're putting up for you, the fans, you know, they're putting their body on the line for you. Yeah. But I I think, I mean, beyond that, I mean, there's, there's something to like pushing 
the the uh, the limits of human of, of humans' ability. Yeah, um, that's that's sort of just um, almost innate. Where I mean, that's what we wanted to do. I mean, that's like the whole point of like the Olympics, right? Is just to like kind of test the limits of of the human ability. Yeah. Um, and like it's it's like way more visceral and you it's it's like very it's it's very kind of like clear who's the alpha male who's the winner you know yes. as we're, well it is as we talked about before like team mentality we like when things are absolutes like this is bad and this is good that's never more true than in sports yes You're like <laughs> yes yeah same thing i mean and i i find that i i um i think that's sort of why the ufc is very popular now like now the ufc has has really um like come into its own and become like a very official thing right it's like it's very professional looking the rules are really solid they got they have good fighters they have like the proper sponsors i mean it seems like a very legitimate organization where as maybe a little bit in the past it, it sort of didn't um i don't know if you ever like watched it earlier on but it seemed i'll, like, I'll be honest I, I currently don't watch it um, much i guess but in, in like not even in the, in the not so recent past i mean think of like affliction in that shit remember that like that was kind of like the like um the era of like fighting when it was just kind of like a wild cage match with like no like a rules that were official kind of like you would think the nfl rules are official right um yeah. and um the UFC has like the ultimate like this here is the clear winner in this situation um type thing going on where like this person clearly won and there's very distinct like very distinct results um also it's just fun to watch get people beat each other up man <laughs> yeah, and it's also unpredictable, right? Mm-hmm. Even though even the most certain outcomes aren't certain until they've happened. Mm-hmm. And there's always the potential for some ridiculous thing to happen and it's you know, I know that they say like you literally can't make this up because you can literally make anything up. <laughs> but the fact that you didn't make it up mm-hmm. makes it uh you know a, a certain th- there's definitely an appreciation for things that did happen that yeah. weren't manufactured that are completely organic within the confines of what we've determined are the rules of a game. So I think that's, that is a major appeal for it. Um, and, and like UFC, like any sport, once you get enough people to recognize what those rules are so they can appreciate what's going on within the confines of them to understand the intricacies of a sport to, to the extent that you can really appreciate it, uh, you know, is obviously going to grow your brand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like we're coming to an end here. Yeah, well, I, I think that's a natural enough spot to call it. So, um, well, let me do my little out thing here. So thanks for listening to Apple Chat. Uh, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Uh, if you've listened this far, to be honest, we are very up-and-coming podcast so if you listen this far you've already made the investment you can like go ahead and just go on itunes and give us five stars it's really not that hard and you've already done this much you've already done the hard part which was listening to us talk so um i've just just some encouragement but um thank and obviously thank you to everyone who has already done that for us because that it Mm -hmm. does help us out a lot uh tweet at us uh, if you have any comments on what we've talked about here hashtag affable chat 
Um, Evan, thank you so much for joining uh, me on, on the podcast. I always enjoy talking to you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And uh, scoop-titty-whoop-poop to you, yep. my friend. Poop-poop. Poop-poop.